quick CYA, otherwise known as a disclaimer. The following podcast includes financial information that is for informational purposes only. The information shared comes from the opinion of the host, that would be me, from personal experience, research, and advice from others. I am not a certified financial advisor, nor do I have any financial credentials besides an interest in learning more. I hope you find this information helpful, but do not make any financial decisions solely based on the information provided here. Thank you. I'm your host, Sarah Boss, and welcome to Attainable Podcast. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Attainable Podcast. My name is Sarah Boss. I'm your host. I'm extremely glad that you're here. And today we have quite a full agenda. So um, I'm going to have, I think, probably a longer intro today, uh, just because I have like a couple things that I just wanted to talk to you about. I'll say a short deep dive into financial freedom and talking about the steps to calculate what's called your number. Um, This is based off of the book called Financial Freedom by Grant, Grant Sabatier. Not sure how to pronounce his last name, but um, it's how you calculate how much money you need to save to retire at what age. And we're going to talk about how to calculate that on your own, um, how to do it easily at home. You don't even actually have to do the math. I'll um, have the links below for the website that you can do calculate, but we'll kind of talk about how to simplify even more. But on the agenda today for discussion, so I wanted to talk about a couple things. One, waving to neighbors, um, just as a general rule. Two, outer banks, I need to know opinions. And three, my new kind of endeavors. So talk about, first of all, waving to neighbors. I know this is kind of random, but this is more like a life catch up and then just general discussion. I love listening to this kind of stuff. So I hope that you do too. If you don't, just skip the intro and go straight to the meat of the episode. So do you guys wave to your neighbors? It's kind of like this came up in conversation this past week because Joseph and I, like when we're going through my parents' neighborhood or our neighborhood, like we get deeply offended if you don't wave back. When we went to New York, like you don't make like eye contact with the other people as you're walking. Like that's just not a thing. And here, like I go on walks a lot and like it is a general rule. Like if you are passing by somebody, especially on a walk, like I do the weird eye contact thing where I like look at them, don't look at them, look at them, don't look at them. And I look until we meet eyes and then I wave because I think it's weird to wave if they're not looking. It's a whole thing. And I was talking to somebody and they were laughing at me saying how we get offended if you don't wave back. But like you just wave back. Like if somebody's in a car, like I even wave to the cars. Like if you are in a car, if you're walking, whatever, I'm going to wave to you. And I expect for you to wave back at me. If we pass each other in a car, I wave. It sounds exhausting when I talk about it, but this is just a general rule of my society (laughs) that you, you wave. So I'm like wondering, do you guys wave? Are you wavers? What's your, I feel like all neighborhoods like have a customary thing. Our, it seems that our new, like, you know, we moved this house in March and this new street, like, people are friendly, but not as friendly as we would like, so we're going to try and push them, I think, into more friendly things, like, like, I don't think neighbors, like, get together or, like, have parties or something, you know, summer's kind of ending, but, like, I think fall cookouts could be fun, I want to invite people, I don't know, I'm going to train them to be us to be, like, a, a one big happy neighborhood, so anyway, wanted to see, get your take on that. Next, let's discuss Outer Banks. Okay, uh, okay, I'm not, I'm not done, and there will be no spoilers here. Okay, none at all. And I more just want to talk about feelings. So if you have not watched Outer Banks yet, um, listen, it's trash. Okay, but it's the best trash ever. 
And I will say, like, I think that they've done better than I expected. When we first started watching, I was like, oh, my God, this is cringier than, like, Degrassi. Like, it is full, like, teenage angst and sort of cheesy lines. It's not like Disney Channel, like, laugh track kind of cheesy. But the script, especially in season one, like they were kind of getting their footing and some of the script here, it's really interesting because there's some characters I think they script very well. And there are some characters that I think they script very poorly. So uh, Rafe and Ward, I think Rafe especially is scripted so well. I think his character is done so well. I think John B. is scripted. I can't tell if it's the script or the actor. I'm so sorry for my John B. lovers out there, but like, not great. You know, it's just, I don't know. He skates by by being like the main character, cute one. But like, I don't know. I don't think it doesn't do all the way for me. Like, I feel my most cringe when I'm watching like a scene for him. I think they did good with JJ. Who doesn't love JJ? Okay, if we're going to talk about the men of Outer Banks, JJ is right there. That's that's mine. If I'm going to have to pick all of them as somebody who's fully in a committed relationship and <laughs> has no reason to pick anybody. Um, but, but Joseph also agrees. Like, we're both like, yay for JJ. Pope is just, I'm so sorry. Pope is just kind of... <laughs> You know, he's, he's like, he's the little, like, side friend character, I feel, you know what I mean? Like, they have it, they've done a lot more with his character in season two, which has been nice, but they definitely put more of a spotlight on John B. and JJ. Kiara, I think, is scripted terribly. I don't think the actress is bad. I think she does okay. I think the script, I don't know, sometimes, like, her lines, I just, like, I don't know. And I think Sarah was done pretty well. I think her script is pretty well, pretty good. Um, Mada, what's her name? Like Madeline Klein or something like Madison Klein, Madeline Klein. She's from Somerville. Um, for my listeners who are from the Charleston, Somerville area, she literally, uh, I had clients that worked at the library and one of the librarians, she's just a little bit older than me. And she actually was in like vacation Bible school, Bible school, like taught a vacation Bible school class or something like that with Madeline Klein in it. Like, I'm pretty sure she went to Pinewood prep. So that's weird. But anyway, do you watch Outer Banks? I need to know. Oh, how fun would it be to do an Outer Banks poll? I need to make a note to do that. I think that would be so fun. Or just an opinion thing. Like, I want to know your thoughts on Outer Banks. And if you don't watch it, I do recommend it. I do recommend it. Something they do wonderfully, wonderfully well is cliffhangers. They have mastered the cliffhanger. Even if you don't like the show, you will want to keep watching the next episode because of the cliffhangers. I think the story is like pretty good. And I think it's super, super interesting for anybody who lives or is familiar with the Charleston area because they film so much in the Charleston area and they pull a lot from Southern history, specifically in season two. So that's my thoughts. I do recommend Outer Banks. And if you hate on Outer Banks, like I respect your hatred, but I just I like don't want to hear it because like I know it's trash. So if you're if you want to like gab about it with me and tell me how how much you love JJ or how you have loved the show or you want to punch Rave in the face. Like I'm totally there for that kind of conversation. Um, but that this is stupid teenage trash. Like I'm aware of it. Nobody needs to be like called out like that. You know, we're aware of it and it's fine. Other people watch the bachelor and love Island and those kind of things. Um, this is my trash. Okay. Just let it happen. Last thing. 
my new endeavors. I spoke a little bit on my uh, episode with Gabby about like trying new things. So I went to a hip hop dance class and it was super fun. It's an adult hip hop dance class. It was a beginner one and I'd actually been before, but it was super fun. And the reason I went is because I needed to find like something outside of work to do because work is fun for me. Like I built this podcast and I built, you know, my business off of the things I like to do and what used to be just like hobbies and stuff. And now it's my job, which is super cool, but don't underestimate the pressure it is to put a monetary expectation on your hobbies and marketing and and freaking talking, like all that kind of stuff just used to be my hobbies. And now it's my job. And so I just needed to branch out. And so I took a dance class, loved it. Probably will go back again. Um, but I'm tr- kind of trying to find like li- like a hobby that's like more regular. And I'm signing up for surf lessons again. I'm going to do surf lessons. I say again, I only took one lesson. It was in Costa Rica, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to go this weekend. But again, it's monsooning in Charleston. We have not stopped raining. And I... Pretty sure it's going to rain all week. So that's a big old bummer. Um, But I want to do it before it gets cold or the water gets cold. But thankfully, it doesn't really get cold here until the end of September. Then I'm not sure what I want to do. But I just think it'd be really cool to um, get really good at surfing or do something like that. And I just encourage you, like, if you want to try something or, or you don't have a hobby, like, a lot of, you know, those listening are in their 20s or in college and um, we kind of lose our like fun hobbies, bring those back. Okay. That should be part of like self-care summer, hot girl summer. Like we're going to do like a little self-care fall, whatever that may be, like finding a hobby for you that is outside of work because we all know like the dread and the like feeling of just overwhelm and stuff. When you go to work, you come home, you watch your trash TV, you go to bed, you read the same thing the next day and everything's like so repetitive Um, And you don't have anything else to like work on or have fun with or challenge you. That's the big thing is like, if it scares me, I feel like that's like even better. Like I should go and do that thing. So find something that makes you nervous a little bit. Dance classes might make you extremely nervous and they're super fun. If you're in the Charleston area, area, uh, Dance Lab is where I went. It was super, super cool. Um, Highly recommend it. Anyways, nice long intro, nice little chat about little and sweet nothings. Now let's get talking about financial freedom. Okay. Okay. So this is kind of the core curriculum of the book, Financial Freedom. And basically we're going to go through how easy it is to find your number. And I'm going to define that in a second. So financial freedom is when you have saved created a money system that works for you so you don't actually have to work in order to make an income. It's much simpler than you would think. Um, And the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early, that movement, uh, thankfully, I think is reaching more audiences. And people are starting to realize like, hey, we don't have to work until we're 55, 60. Like, I think that's pretty bull. Like, I don't want to retire at 50. Heck, I want to retire at 35. I don't know if that's going to work. Um, But I would like to be at least financially independent at like, I'll I'll say 40 to give myself a good bit of time. And I probably will work like, that's the thing a lot of us who are in like the fire or like into financial independence are we want to be able to 
be financially independent, but then you also set up passive income streams so that even when you are financially independent, you still have income coming in. I know that sounded like a lot. Don't worry. We're not going to talk about passive income today, but maybe I'll touch on it and how it relates. So with the financial independence movement um, and this particular book, Financial Freedom, there is a particular number that you actually save in order to become financially free. So first of all, you have to calculate that number. So you calculate how much money that you spend per year. You calculate what that uh, equates to in, okay, I need to save this much money in order to become financially free. And then in this particular book, the concept, if you are um, saving for, you know, we'll say, we'll call it retirement, saving for financial freedom, whatever, then you want to have it in an investment account that gives you about 7% annual increase or annual growth. So um, that's not like, hard or or uncommon. Um, my goals for all of my investment accounts, I always check every year and, and monthly. It's hard to check like monthly, really you shouldn't check monthly, but as a whole year to date, I am like, okay, are we at 7% growth? And if we're not, then that's an issue. Um, usually we're a little bit over, which is great, but 7% should kind of be your minimum. So if you think about it, if you get your number, you know, you save so much money in an account that 7% of growth of that is more than your annual expenses, then you are financially free. So say you saved up $150,000, 150 help, $850,000 in an account and that growth had a 7% growth. Well, if $850,000 grows by 7%, then that is $59,500 in that year that you're gaining. A typical, I guess like expenses per year um, is between probably like 30 and 40,000 for a typical like American um, that's just based on some research. That's going to vary drastically with where you live and uh, your lifestyle, which we'll talk about. But think about it, like how much you spend per year, it's probably not $60,000. So That means that if you manage to get $850,000 into an account that's growing at 7% per year, but you're not taking out 7% per year to even live, you're financially free. That account is then making money for you. That's the concept. So the financial freedom method is, so you get accounts, you know, up to a certain number that is then growing by 7% and then you only take out 4% per year. Um, So you only live on 4% of that. So say it's again that um, $850,000, 4% of that is only $34,000. So then you are still netting a 3% growth every year. And again, if you're growing by 3%, that means that that 7% the next year is going to be even bigger. So if you're doing like one year, you know, 7% growth on a account that has $850,000 on it, you take out $34,000 for your 4% to live on for that year, you're still gaining $25,500 which means the next year you're working with an account that has $875,500, which that grows by 7%, which is $61,285. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, just bear with me, which means that 4% of that is $35,020. So you started out by taking out $34,000 at that 4% rate, um, and then it grew by another 3%. Um, And the next year, 4% of your entire account is now $35,000. And $20. So each year, that growth, you're going to have a net 3% growth. Are you following me? I know that I'm just yelling a bunch of numbers, but baseline is 
you are growing in interest more than you are spending. Does that make sense? So um, if you don't understand uh, compounding interest, then this might seem a little bit um, odd to you. But if you understand, so when you invest money and then it, it grows uh, through those investments uh, by a certain percentage, you're only spending 4%. I'm really trying to break this down as, and say it in as many ways as possible. I mean, because this is huge. Like, I want you to understand growth by 7%. You only take out 4%. You're still gaining 3% every year. We think about retirement as like, okay, we save up all this money and then we just deplete it, deplete it, deplete it, deplete it until it's all gone. Like you have to like ration money or something. Absolutely not. That's not how this works. And that's not how it's meant to work. So how do you calculate your number? So I'm going to have um, the links to the calculations down below because it actually has the Financial Freedom Book has calculators that you can go through and like enter all your stuff. There, uh, how much money do you spend calculator gets a little bit overwhelming, okay? I'm not going to lie. It goes through and, I mean, it breaks down mortgage, home insurance, your groceries, how much you spend on your pets, how much you spend on clothes, like everything. And when you go through, especially if you're trying to be conservative, like it ends up, I think, being kind of unrealistic. I think the best way to do this is look at your budget. And if you don't budget, then yeah, the calculator is probably going to be best. But like, look at your budget, look what you've spent the last few months, and then you know, use that to calculate how much you spend a year. So if I know I spent $3,000 last month, then 3,000 times 12, you know, that's my annual whatever. So, and your annual expenses are going to be a lot less than you think. Um, or that's always been my experience when I've talked to people or done this with people or done with this with myself. Your annual expenses is not the same as how much you make. Like if you are on a $70,000 your salary, that does not mean that you spend $70,000 a year. You are saving money, you know, you're investing money. Like if your mortgage is $1,200 a month, you're not going to be spending $70,000. Does this make sense? What you need to do is see what your annual cost of living is. You know, what does it cost to live your life? So typically this is between $30,000 and $40,000. Let's go on the high Okay. So let's say your annual spending is $35,000 a year. Okay. With that on a 7% and I'm I'm putting this in the financial independence calculator, um, which again will be linked below, but with a 4% target withdrawal rate. So we're going to, okay, we're going to live off of 4% of what what we're withdrawing each year and a 7% expected investment annual return, meaning 7% growth, our financial independence number, what we need to spend, to save in our financial independence account, that 7% growth account is $875,000. Wow. Like that's not that bad. Now, when you get up to, you know, $40,000 in annual expenses, you know, when we talk about a million dollars, that seems like a lot. Um, so that's when it gets kind of scary, but that's if you're keeping those annual expenses, if that annual expense is at $40,000, just at $35,000 a year, $5,000 less it's $875,000. Like this just sounds more doable. And I want you to understand how doable it is. In the book, he talks about how this is, this varies a lot by where you live. By people who live in the South, your living expenses are going to be greatly, greatly, greatly uh, lower than those who live in the Midwest and the West. Um, Especially, I mean, think of California, you know, those uh, big cities, like these places are where it costs a lot less. Think of the people who move upon retirement to a place like Bali, where the cost of living is so low, maybe not in real estate, but as far as like food and various areas, you know, it costs a 
fraction of what it does in the United States. Am I saying you need to move to Bali? No. But understand that your living expenses are going to vary based on where you live and what kind of lifestyle you want to live, but it's still very doable. So we got our calculator. I put in, okay, our current annual expenses are $35,000 at a 4% target withdrawal rate and a 7% growth rate. Our final financial independence number or FI number is $875,000. We say, great. Okay. That's how much I need to, I need to save. I need to save $875,000. So say I'm like, okay, well, I have already saved $20,000 and my target is $875,000. So now I'm putting it into uh, the next calculator. How much money should you save uh, annually? And I'm saying, okay, my, again, my target $875,000. I currently have saved $20,000. My expected annual investment return is 7%. So understand like that's not, that's not a flat $875,000. This is how much money am I putting away knowing that that money is going to grow by 7% every year. So you're not having to physically save $875,000 flat. You know what I mean? And let's say I want to retire or become financially free in 15 years. And for that, so that's 40, at 40, I want to be financially independent. So that means I have to save annually $32,624. Monthly, I need to save $2,635. Weekly, I need to save $605. And daily, I need to save $86. That breaks it down to be super, super attainable, right? And think about this, think about this. So every year, I need to save $32,624. So that means if I have an annual salary of $70,000, okay, I make $70,000 a year. And we said earlier, I spend $35,000 a year. Okay, cool. That means I have $35,000 left over. I only need to save $32,000 in order to make my financial freedom number in 15 years. So, okay, well, okay, knowing that, can we have financial freedom earlier? Uh... Yeah. So if I'm trying to become financially free in 13 years, so that's at what, like 38 or something, I save $41,000 a year. So, okay, this is why I always say live below your means because the lower you can keep your expenses, the more that you can save. And you also understand like this isn't going to be saved by not getting that cup of coffee, not getting that Starbucks, like not buying the clothes. I don't believe that's how money is saved. I mean, yes, it's how it's saved, but you're going to save minimal amounts of money. You know how money is truly saved? Money is truly saved when you decide to get a house and you're really careful on what you're going to do with that mortgage, you know? Because if you, you know, there's a big yearly difference if you're spending $1,500 in mortgage per month versus $1,200 in mortgage a month. That is saving you $3,600 a year. But just by having a $300 difference in your mortgage, this is looking at your car payment, seeing how you can lower your car payment. You know, maybe your grocery bill, like how much you spend on groceries per month. But look at the big things, your car, your houses, the big expenses, your biggest bills every month. Like how can you minimize that, you know? So I know that was a lot. Okay, I know that was a lot. Definitely read Financial Freedom by Grant Sabatier or whatever his name is. Um, It's so, so, so good. Um, If you have any questions, of course, DM us. Um, But here's the overview, okay? First, you find out how much you spend in a year. What is your annual expenses? What does it take to live a comfortable life for you in a year? Then go to this little website that we have down below. I'll, I'll have it with you and put in that annual expenses under is under current current annual uh, expenses and it will pop out your financial independence number. 
Okay, because you you want to uh, account for that 7% thing and the 4%, all that kind of stuff. Pop out that financial independence number. Then you go to the calculator for how much you need to save. Enter in your FI number. Enter in how much you have in savings right now and how many years you want until you are financially free. And you can kind of play around with that, you know. If you have a lot more saved, then obviously you can probably lower your years. Or... If you want to lower your years, you know that you can say, okay, this makes my savings a lot higher, so now I can look at my monthly expenses. And it's really nice to say, okay, $86 a day, $86 a day, or I need to save $2,000, $3,000 a month. Okay, how do we do that? Looking at our how much we make per month, looking at how much we spend. Um, again, looking back at like what our life actually costs. You know, if you only spent $1,000 last month, I mean, of course, it's probably not realistic, but see how much you actually spend and see, you know, does it match up? You may not even spend, you know, enough to be worried. And then you're like, okay, well, what am I doing with all this extra money? Well, now you have something to do with it. You know what I mean? Or, or you say, Hey, I know what my goal is. My goal for a salary, you know, when I go to talk to my boss the next time in my annual review, or if I'm looking at jobs, like I know my goal salary is going to be X. Okay. Then we're going to work from there. You know, I hope that this has made it more, I mean, attainable for you to understand like how, how much easier it is to become financially independent, to understand like what you need to save for retirement. It's so much simpler. It's totally attainable guys. It's just numbers and these calculators make it a lot easier. And I hope this episode kind of shines some light on that. Don't forget to, if you liked this episode, to screenshot it and Post it to your Instagram stories and tag us at Attainable Podcast on Instagram. We love to see it. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars, and go ahead and write a little something for us because that means the world and that's how we get discovered by others. Um, Make sure to share with your friends. Text it to your friends. Let them know to listen in. If you have any podcast requests, don't forget to send us a DM. And yeah, I will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.